The Mind Aware, 73. We're redefining who we are and how we're supposed to live. That little four-step transition transitions the inner critic into an inner coach. I really believe that it was that excitement and that passion and that, that drive that I had that kept me going. Oh my God, I love it here. Hey there, Brain Trainers. This is Dana Wild, and welcome to the Mind Aware Show, where you connect with the biggest experts on mindset, wealth, and more. Start your day with the Mind Aware, and now your brain is on board with your dreams. Hello, everyone. This is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware Show, and welcome Now, you know most of you are following the Mind Aware Show and are also familiar with Train Your Brain. And you know that we talk all the time about using your conscious mind for change. We talk about doing mantras, about telling new stories, about being aware. Heck, the whole company is named the Mind Aware, right? Because we talk about being able to be aware of those stories and turning them around in conscious creation, Well, I have a really interesting guest today and a really interesting topic for you, and I know you're going to enjoy this. I've got Philip Golubuck with us, and he's the founder of The Field Project. That's an eight-week course. It's a self-study course, and I'm not going to get too much into it right now because I think you're going to see, once we start talking about this, why I'm so interested in this topic, because one of the things he teaches in the field or helps you to understand is that the conscious mind doesn't necessarily do the creating. And I know you're all thinking right now, what? (laughs) So let's just jump right into it and get started. Hi, Philip. Hi, Dana. Thanks for having me on the program. Well, it's great to have you here. And I'm really interested to talk with you about this because I know you're very well studied and you've been at this for a very long time. And so let's just hit this head on. Why shouldn't you be using the conscious mind for change? Well, I don't think I would I would say that we shouldn't use the conscious mind for change as long as we're clear about what we're changing. Uh, I think that the conscious mind can be engaged for self-work and uh, self-change. So as long as we're not looking to use the conscious mind and various uh, new age, so-called new age techniques to change outer conditions in the world, then I think we're in the clear. Mantras uh, can work. Uh, affirmations can be useful. I'm not so sure about visualizations. They seem to be too directly linked to uh, trying to change conditions. But the whole field model uh, establishes clearly that if if we're trying to change conditions through an act of will, whether that's employing inner or outer techniques, we're actually involved in a contradiction. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to talk about that contradiction a little bit because I, I actually agree with you. I think sometimes when people are trying things like visualization or vision boards or even mantras or any of those things, they're not in a place of knowing. If they were in a place of knowing, nobody makes a vision board about the sun coming up tomorrow. And so it's almost like they go from hard work to make things happen to, let me say, a 100 mantras to make things happen. And so let's talk about that contradiction a little bit. What more would you like to say about that? Well, the contradiction lies in the fact that belief is supposed to be the creative force. So, you know, if we believe in a condition 
sufficiently to be trying to overcome it through inner techniques like visualization and affirmation, then we've already cast our vote, as it were, through believing in, in the lack of whatever it is we're trying to you know, manifest or create or attract. So there's the contradiction. The paradox is that consciousness is creative, but not when we're trying to use it that way. Hmm, that is very funny, actually. That's quite a good yeah. paradox. So I really follow where you're going with this, and it's, I really like it. So what you're saying is, just by acknowledging it, we're keeping it active. Yeah, and also, you know, around the idea of people don't, uh, you know, visualize the sun coming up or try to attract or create or manifest something that they actually assume to be the case. One has to be very clear about one's motive. I mean, this this gets very subtle. And the, the minute the will is engaged, the minute one is trying to create from a a platform of separate identity, uh, the whole thing goes south, and it just doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't prove itself. I've done a lot of research over the years to confirm that. What creates is identity. In a way, we have to abandon the whole project of attracting or creating conditions and take up residence in the version of self that really corresponds to whatever it is we count as fulfillment or we count as the ideal, and then really let it go. Let go of the whole idea of manifestation and, and not be waiting for it, not be watching the clock. And, you know, th- this takes some self-work. It takes some discipline and it takes some practice to really deepen that to the point that we're really released about manifestation. I've said to students over many years now that the most important statement in the course that we offer is the aim of practice is alignment, not manifestation. That's a technical term for us, alignment. Yeah, I like that term, alignment, a lot. And so let me get to definitions. You mentioned before identity. What do you mean when you talk about identity? Well, for practical purposes, we talk about identity in terms of uh, two things, what we take to be real and what we identify with. So uh, those things constitute what we call intention, and that's a technical term. It's used in a lot of New Age books and literature and uh, content. Uh, Neil Donald Walsh uses it. Um, uh, uh, Wayne Dyer uses it. Uh, Abraham uh, Esther Hicks. Uh, they all use that word intention. But we actually stipulate a specific technical definition, which is that psychic structure that involves what we identify with and what we take to be real. So those two things are comprised by what we then call identity. In other words, if I take it to be real that I have no money in the bank, then there's actually a prior identity statement implicit in that, which is, for example, I am poor. So if I'm identified with that and I'm taking it to be real, then I'm intending that even if I'm visualizing and affirming money. Right. I totally get that. And what about alignment? Alignment is a state of agreement, another technical term in the course. Uh, It's a state of friendly relation or agreement between desire and belief. So let's take that one for just a minute. So what you're saying then, if I've got this right, is you're saying that when we want for things that we don't have, we're really just reaffirming the not having of them. And if instead we can get into a state of alignment, that would entail, I'm sure it entails more than this, but one of the pieces that we've discussed is just letting go of the whole idea of manifestation to begin with. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right as far as that goes. Uh, what we're saying here is that the aim, if the aim of practice is alignment, then the minute my consciousness is in agreement with the fulfillment of desire, that becomes its own fulfillment. So it's no longer a matter of waiting for stuff or waiting for the universe to deliver the goods as though it's like a big restaurant taking my order. Uh, you know, we're, we're saying we're living in a medium of mystery here, and what we're saying is that identity, when it's aligned, is so joyful and so fulfilling that it actually 
uh, overtakes the expected fulfillment that we were looking for in conditions around us. Yeah. So it, beca- it, it, beca- it reveals itself as the aim of practice and the whole point of, uh, of alignment. So when you talk about alignment, do you mean it in the same way that Abraham Esther Hicks talks about? No, because we stipulate it as a, as a technical term that has to do with uh, bringing our uh, belief into agreement with our desire. So desire is the starting point. So bringing your belief in agreement with your desire. So how would I know if I'm in alignment? What would be some of the signs that I'm in alignment? Well, you'd be feeling something wanted. You'd be feeling good. Right. I was just going to get to emotion, so that's really useful, actually. So when I'm feeling good, then I can feel like I'm, I would be in alignment because belief and desire are in agreement. Yeah, yeah, you're feeling a particular kind of good, which has to do with really feeling good about who you are and feeling a sense of place in the world and feeling like you belong here and things are going well and things are, no matter what the outer conditions are doing. And so if we're not using our conscious mind to attain that good feeling, what would be some of the ways that you would attain that good feeling? Since willfulness is considered a, a sort of a fundamental problem in practice, uh, within the field model, uh, w- willingness becomes key. So it's, it's more like we allow things to happen, let them happen, than that we try to make them happen, even, even in any subtle way. So it, it turns out that when we're allowing things to happen, the one thing that we can do there consciously is make a choice about what, whether what comes to us represents the fulfilled state. For example, the practice in, it teaches us and allows us to get into the whole idea of cooperating with life through an aligned identity. So whatever conditions are doing, for example, if I've claimed, we have to be careful, language is a, it was a big issue in developing the course because it's very, very precise. Language slips easily into insinuations of willfulness. One has to be careful, even with verbs. So when I say we claim, I'm actually what I'm saying is we sort of allow ourselves to be taken by this ideal of, let's say, uh, being in love or being wealthy, you know, feeling well supplied. So there's a certain body sense that goes with that. It's different from feeling like you're not wealthy or not in love. Okay, so we allow this body sense to come, and then we sort of enter that body sense. And in that state where our identity is aligned, we feel good, we feel, let's say, wealthy, in the case of that example. And that identity can be sustained and experienced and enjoyed apart from outer conditions. Mm -hmm. So, for example, somebody who, who has no money has, and, but has a good meal, you know, a hot meal, can feel like a king. Whereas somebody who has a million dollars can be, you know, wringing his hands that it's not enough. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much the content of consciousness that interests us as much as the form and the quality and the significance of, of the experience, of the reality. Yeah, I really, I like so much of what you're saying. It really resonates and I, I really love that you've taken care to choose the right words and it's really just beautiful, so interesting, and, and I could just go so deep into this with you, but I, I want to take a quick break here. So we're going to take a quick break, and I want to let you know, just in case you're wondering, we are talking to Philip Golubuck, and if you want to check him out while we're taking a quick break, you can find him at fieldproject.net. It's an eight-week self-study course. I'm sure you can tell already into this interview that it's just really fascinating stuff, and it resonates as he says these words. Can't you just feel the shift as you're hearing these things? It's so nice to think about allowing things to happen, about being in alignment, right, and being able to choose different words to talk about these things because so much of what we talk about is so emotionally charged already 
in this world. So really good stuff. We're going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I'm going to ask Philip for his best practical tip for how you can start to implement some of this way of being today. We'll be right back. Have you checked out The Mind Aware on Facebook at facebook.com slash themindaware? Discover daily mantras, inspiration, the latest brain information, and exclusive training on mindset, wealth, health, and more. That's facebook.com slash themindaware. Let's connect and kick your life up a notch. Hi, this is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware Show. We're having a really fascinating conversation today with Philip Golubuck. He is the founder of the Field Project. You'd really call him a philosophical counselor. He takes on students for the eight-week self-study course, but he also gives counsel, and it's a great opportunity here to learn about him and to go check him out at fieldproject.net. We've been talking about some things that I can tell you I know I'm going to re-listen to this interview, and I hope you're going to re-listen to this interview because there's really some thoughtfulness, I guess is the word I want to use, real thoughtfulness and precision in the way he's talking about things. And I know you're going to find it as fascinating as I do. And so, Philip, I want to try to find a way for people to actually embody this, maybe is the word I'm looking for, starting today, like really start to take this more to heart, the types of things you're saying. And so is there anything that you can tell them that's something they could do today that would help bring this more into their reality? I think so. I mean, I think the key thing is to release the will. So one great way to do that is to begin to look for so-called evidence in our experience for the truth of the thing that we think is lacking. So, for example, uh, if I would, you know, within the, the context of the new age or the secret or something, you know, the, the so-called law of attraction approach, if I was going to visualize, use affirmations to try to attract or manifest or create conditions of wealth, in my experience, instead of doing that, a way to move down the path of release would be to begin to look for the ways in which we're already wealthy. And, and it doesn't have to be in terms of dollars. I mean, it's, it's the body sense, again, that, and that can generalize to different staging areas. So we're looking for just the body sense of wealth, and that can be, you know, wealth in friends, wealth in intelligence, wealth in language, wealth in affection, wealth in humor. But taking stock that way from the standpoint of already having received is a tremendous way to uh, invite that body sense to show itself and then to rest in that body sense. I mean, that would be the first thing I would suggest as, as a kind of feel first aid. Love that. And what's so nice is that it's not only so easy to implement, but you can transfer it to other things, too. You know, what ways are we already loved? If you're looking for love, well, figure out the ways that you already feel love, all the different ways love comes in your life, all the different ways you're already abundant. I mean, it's really very interesting and very fun and so good. Do you have any parting advice for everybody before we say goodbye? Well, just that part of this journey for me began with, how I felt about in response to the whole New Age approach, which seems to me to be in many ways infantile. It's kind of based on magical thinking and this idea that I was alluding to earlier that the, the universe is like a big restaurant. All I have to do is put in my order and it'll, it'll serve up the goods. You know, this, this practice that we offer here really begins where the New Age ends. And it, it's a call to a certain kind of spiritual responsibility in which we really use desire as a starting point to do the sort of self-work that allows us to to transcend the world. So we can't really be taken hostage anymore by conditions. And this is, this is a glorious and liberating state, which is so inherently joyful that it just trumps, it, it, forgive any political reference there, but it, it just trumps <laughs> 
any possible agenda or strategy that we might have been immersed in to try to make something happen, whether through inner or outer technique. So what I would say is that this is the path of self-discovery and the joy of conscious creating, uh, not creating conditions, but creating a, a better version of self. Mm, very good. Good, good stuff. And I, I agree. And I think a lot of what you talk about, too, it really incorporates so much science. And it's really just we really are ushering in the real new age, new age right now. <laughs> so <laughs> right. great. Uh, I love it. Thank you so much for spending time with us, Philip. Thanks, Dana. Really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, that was awesome. And if you want to check out more, and I'll tell you, you caught a little bit of it at the end there, but besides being just a really big, smarty, smarty pants, he's also very <laughs> funny. You can go learn more about Philip over at fieldproject.net. Philip Golubuck, philosophical counselor and just all-around interesting person. I know you enjoyed that. And thank you all for being here. It's always so fun to explore these new areas, isn't it? And so much of what he said, doesn't it resonate? Allowing things to happen, right? Allowing things to happen, getting into alignment. I love this idea of not being taken hostage by conditions. That's where we want to be, isn't it? We want to be in that place where we're not out there trying to make magic happen. We're not out there just waiting for stuff to fall in our lap. We want to allow things to come into our life. We want to be thoughtful about the way we do things. We want to be able to step fully into who we are. What is our real identity? Who really are we? And you can do all this right now just by starting to get into these feeling places. So today, take that time. Take that time to feel abundant. Notice how much abundance you have. It's all around you. And we will see you next time on The Mind Aware. Well, it starts with you feeling good. So excited to have 15 to 30 minutes of just pure fun right now. This is going to be good. Yay! I love that. (laughs) Oh, that sounds nice. I'd like that. I'll Mm. get that for myself right now. Be perfect every minute of every day. Never have another drop of sugar. Because I think if you say that to people, everybody's going to freak out. Hi, Dana. It's great to see you. I mean, not see you, but be with you today. (laughs) What I found to be the secret... (laughs) <laughs> Who doesn't want to be great? I love it. You know, when you're clear, what you choose to show up in your life will, and only to the extent that you're clear. That's the amazing capacity of the human mind. Thank you for listening to the Mind Aware Show. And remember to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash themindaware. Please join us for tomorrow's episode. You deserve it. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. 
Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.